The podcast has been doing great, and you know what's even better is that we've been able to get advertising, and we would not be able to do that without Podcorn. That is the sponsor for today of Bleacher Blums here on this podcast, and Podcorn I found through a search engine online and eventually investigated it a little bit and read some articles in Forbes and articles like that, and turns out that they do a great job of meeting brand to podcast and actually allowed me to kind of narrow down who I wanted to represent us or who I wanted to have on our podcast. And then in the same token, it was great for branding because the brands were able to pick out the podcast they wanted to be affiliated with too. So I appreciate the fact that Podcorn has jumped on board and that we can represent them. It is important that you go to podcorn.com if you're starting that podcast and you are looking to raise funds. Uh, You can do host reads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. With Podcorn, there is no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on their platform, set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. So make sure you go to podcorn.com backslash podcasters to find out more. Welcome to Bleacher Blum, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now the current master of banter for the Houston Astros television broadcast team, Blummer. Welcome back to Bleacher Blums. Man, you know what? I'm not sure if everybody else is feeling the same way I am, but I am feeling a little bit more encouraged about this season. And I think most of it is due to the fact that a lot of the news, you know, in scrolling through my Twitter feed, and if you want to get to myself or David Tuttle on Twitter, you can get at Real David Tuttle or at Blummer27 to get myself, Jeff Blum, or my co-host, David Tuttle on Twitter. But nowadays, when I scroll through Twitter, it is a little, a little, a smidge, maybe just a little tiny iota better than it has been in the last week, two weeks or so, because now I get to see lineups. Now I get to see beat writers who are actually writing about baseball other than something they may not have a ton of knowledge about and speculating, opinions. Those are all out the window. Now we can start talking facts. We can start talking about baseball. We can start wondering what rotations are going to be like. We can start wondering who's going to be hitting where in the lineup. So it has been a very good week, and I'm amped up because baseball has started. We can finally talk about what's on the field instead of speculating and having opinions about what's off the field. I know that they will perk up throughout the course of the season, but for the time being, I'm going to enjoy myself and enjoy the fact that we are actually getting back to what is most important. It is the game on the field. We get to see who's the best of the best. We get to see who is who the new faces are and if guys can repeat performances that we've seen in the past. But the best thing about spring training is that hope springs eternal. And everybody that shows up into a big league clubhouse in the next in the last week or so has shown up with a 0-0 record and the talk and potential of a World Series championship type season. So I am fired up for the baseball season. I am fired up to talk about baseball in itself because that is probably where the most of the healing needs to happen is on the field for every team and every fan of the game. 
And it's also a time for us to talk about the Astros, of course, which we will hold on to maybe a little bit later or a couple podcasts from now, because I've got some couple of updates in Blum and Blummer. So make sure you stick around for that. But for the time being, I'm going to bring in my co-host and ask David Tuttle out there on the left coast. How are you doing, man? It's been a good week. Blummer, great lead in. It has been a great week. And uh, we've had a couple of schedule changes in our life, you and me as well. And I know you're heading out to spring training shortly, but uh, I'm so happy to be on the podcast with you. And uh, like you said, hope springs eternal. I'm always the guy that tries to keep it level headed here, but I'm just so excited to have the baseball season around the corner. And uh, hopefully, like you said, being able to discuss things that happen on the field as opposed to off the field, because that's where things will get settled. And that's where these men will be men. Um, and, uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. So, uh, this is one of the, my favorite times of the year, not so much, I guess when I was playing, it was as well, but you know, much more now as a fan, it's so great when spring rolls around leaving your family in the middle of February and getting into spring training and seeing the guys was always fun. But that, uh, that monotony of pitchers fielding practice, little PFP got, it hit you right away. <laughs> and I know we've talked about this before too, but you know, pitchers, you know, we didn't have it as rough as you guys did, especially as a utility guy, like getting on the bus, like, oh, yeah, I got to go there today because we get some golf in and, you know, get our foul pole to foul pole in and, you know, go play some golf. So, but, uh, yeah, Hope Springs Eternal. I'm really excited to be on the podcast with you. And uh, like I said, the uh, the world is our oyster here in terms of topics. I think we can get away <laughs> from some of the ones that we've been focused on. So uh, we got our first rain uh, yesterday in a while and, uh, opening day of little league for my daughter, which was kind of exciting yesterday. So that is kind of exciting. And you know, what's crazy is you talk about the first rain that you've had of the new year and out here in Houston, man, this has been the, one of the craziest winters I think I've ever seen out here in Houston. You know, normally you get the sunshine and some cold weather, but we've had spurts of cold, but it has been no offense to Seattle. I love the city, but the weather up there scares the crap out of me because if we go four or five days down here in Houston, and you're probably the same way, especially out there in California, if you get that overcast and haze, even though it's 70 degrees, it's miserable. And I don't know what it is about not having the sun or what it says about me as a human, but sun has to be involved somehow, some way. And I mean, I know in the summertime, it gets to be about 105 with humidity out here, but still the sun's out and there's some brightness in the, in the world. And it kind of gives me a little bit of joy, but man, it has been a dreary, dreary time out here in uh, Houston. We had a, we had probably had the best day of, of winter yesterday. Uh, luckily I got to go play golf a little bit with some friends, but it was eerily reminiscent of the times that I was back in California because we actually, my wife and I, we looked on the uh, the Apple weather app and at the time it was 54 degrees in the evening, just nice and cool, not, not a lot of wind, no humidity. And it actually was the same exact temperature that it was in San Clemente, the city we lived in before we moved out here. So it was a perfect California day out here yesterday. But uh, literally, you know, that's another great thing is, you know, spring training is starting. And this is kind of a weird spot within sport, the sports world in itself. The Super Bowl just ended. Uh, you know, March Madness is starting to get going. The NBA is kind of in the middle of their season. They just had the All-Star game. And, you know, I don't know if you've been watching any XFL. We haven't even talked about that. But I'm not going to go don't bet on it on, <laughs> on XFL because it might be a legit don't bet on it because I have no idea what's going on. But we've really hit that lull in sports where spring training starting to start up and our kids are getting back into sports. So it's a really exciting time. Uh, so you're in, you're doing t-ball or are you in little league? Is she? Is it coach pitch? Is it pitch? What is it? 
No, Little League, uh, majors. So this is a, an unfortunate thing when you want to hold people back or send them forward. She's played three years of softball and really wanted to play baseball with the boys. She had played for her. flag football with the boys prior. Yeah, I'm proud of her. But um, I kind of thought she's 10 all year, but she's playing as an 11-year-old. I think you know oh, yeah. people will understand this. She's an August 20th birthday, and I think the cutoff's like August 31. But you know what? Um, I throw caution to the wind with the Gladwell book, you know, Outliers, which is, um, you know, if you're decent and you're motivated, playing with older kids sometimes helps. So, you know, I think it can make you more focused and you can, yeah, you can learn quicker. So yesterday was her first game and I was hoping she'd get drafted into AAA, which I think AAA, you can have 10, 11 and um, yeah, 10, 11 year olds in AAA and then majors is 11, 12. But she got drafted onto a majors team. There's actually another uh, female on her team. And uh, they won 10 nothing yesterday, and she smoked a ball. I, uh, the defense was a little – they had her play second base one inning. She didn't get any balls, um, played right field. But, uh, you know, I just want her to hit. You know, I don't want her to get into the habit of being up there like, oh, the umpire, you know, that ball is outside. Like, you know, it's a, it, it's a big zone. Vladimir Guerrero would tell you, right, you don't hit your way off the island, man. I'm Heck sorry, yeah, dude, you don't, don't walk swing your way off the island. You got to swing it. See, I'm even messed up the uh, saying, but yeah, you don't walk your way off the island. You got to swing it. And she smoked one. The guy that's pitching is a little older than she was, but she knows him from school. And oh, he wow. did one of those reflex catches. Like she smoked it and it was right back at his chest and he stuck his glove up and caught it. Dang it. And the, yeah, the coach came over to her though. And this is what I love about the coach. He goes, Jenna. It was all year long. If you hit the ball like that, I'll take it all year long, right? We talk about the ground That's ball awesome. size and, you know, one little more Texas leaguer and all that stuff. But uh, anyway, so I was really proud of her. She swung the bat, hit the ball hard. And as you said, the hope doesn't just spring eternal, but spring training. But with us, like you said, there's a little lull kind of in the don't bet on in the sporting world. So getting out there in the sunshine and watching our kids run around, um, you know, we're not in the monotony of, you know, driving them everywhere yet. It's uh, It was a good feeling to get out there. So. Yeah, and it's good to hear you have a good coach because, I, you know, have you and I having gone through youth sports, I don't know what sports you played as a young kid. I know you played football, baseball. I was basketball, soccer, uh, baseball. But, you know, the coach, in order to coach Little League and in order to coach baseball specifically because it's such a, a sport that is based on failure, you need to have a coach who has that even temperament who can say things like that. If you do – if if you line out every single time and hit the ball hard, I want you on my team and I want you to continue to do that. Don't be discouraged because you do have to have a, a special, not only like a special mentality, but you have to have a special way of communicating to a young kid between 10, 12, 15 years old on how do you explain to them, even though you did everything right, you're out. Don't stop doing it. Just keep doing it the same way because eventually you'll find baseball is one of those things. If you continue to practice good habits, good things usually end up happening. So it's kind of interesting that the coach does have that kind of mentality and gives Jenna that positive reinforcement, even though it was a negative outcome. Yeah, you know, he he's really good. So this is a weird situation and we don't have to spend the whole podcast on it. But I will say I help coach her soccer team. She's on a like an all-star soccer team, um, extra, AYSO extra. And the guy that's the head coach grew up in Denmark and he played soccer his whole life. And so I'm like, hey, so I try to coach the mentality, you know, like, hey, you guys got to play hard. You got to be tough and you got to kind of, you know, if you get knocked down, get back up. That's all. That's the only thing I really contribute. I'm learning soccer. I understand some strategy. But, you know, like when you grow up with it, with baseball, I don't really want to coach it. Because I feel like, you know, you and I played it for so long. Like I have so much information and so much to offer. 
but I don't know necessarily how to to couch it correctly. You were saying it does take a special person to kind of deliver that to 10, 11, 12 year old kids. The other part of it is I want to be able to be kind of a voice of reason in the background. Um, you know, it takes a lot of time to kind of coach these kids up. And I will say the two guys that coach don't know that I play baseball. That helps. I love that. They don't come to me. Um, there's some families that point. know. And I really like it. But this guy has both his kids played like varsity baseball in high school. And I think one of them plays college football now, like division two college football. So he has no kids on the team. His kids have moved on. He's the neighbor of the guy who's like the star pitcher. And he's like, Hey Rob, I'd love for you to come coach our team. So he has really no skin in the game either. He's not trying to get his kid a scholarship. He's not trying to, so he leans on a fungo and he has some Copenhagen hidden around somewhere. You know, he's that kind of a guy. And I, I, I love it. I mean, to me, that's like a baseball, he's almost like a baseball lifer for 12 year olds. So I'm really happy with him, and uh, and I think good things to come. And and, and it's, it was it was a it was a good start to the season yesterday. Yeah, that's cool. A very you know, good luck to Jenna. Make sure you tell her that Bleacher Blondes is cheering for. Her. I'm sure she already knows that. But to everybody else with uh, kids who are starting that spring and starting to get their little leagues going, we just want to let you know that Tuttle and I here on Bleacher Blums, we're sitting in your bleachers too. We're cheering for you. We want to hear all the good stuff. We want to implore you to go out there and work hard, play hard and uh, get things done and have a lot of fun doing it. We always tell you to get after it. What better time now than to teach that to your kids and go out there and get after it and play the game. And you know what has been great is the podcast has really taken an uptick over the last maybe 10 podcasts or so. We appreciate everybody out there who has been spreading the word about David Tuttle and myself out here in the bleachers, trying to offer a little bit of the voice of reason. I know Tuttle is a little more even-tempered than I am. I have a tendency to be a little reactionary and and aggressive at times, but Tuttle always seems to bring it back to the mean, which is a beautiful thing. So it's been a great combination, and everybody out there has been responding quite well. So we appreciate you, and we also appreciate everybody that gets on to BleacherBlums.com. We've got a couple of T-shirts out there. We have some more stuff coming out. You know, uh, uh, what, uh, oh, man, St. Patrick's Day, that's the one. As much beer as we drink, that should just roll off the tongue as far as St. Patrick's Day because it's a good <laughs> time to enjoy some some green beverages and have a good time. Be looking on uh, bleacherblums.com shop because there might be a green t-shirt involved and some other stuff in there. You get to know more about David Tuttle. You get to know more about myself. But one thing that's been going really good, Tuttle, and I know you've been a little bit overwhelmed with what's been going on, but the responses in the mailbag have been outstanding. And unfortunately... We like our podcast to be between an hour, hour and a half. Obviously, we get a little, little long-winded at times, but we want to get to the fans. And unfortunately, we can't get to every single email that is sent to us. But I know Tuttle's been working hard, flagging a couple down, and picking out the ones that he likes. And one thing I want to note before Tuttle gets into this mailbag is that literally neither of us talk about the mailbag before we get on the podcast. This is something that he'll he'll peruse through. He may have a little bit of an idea, but he throws them out on the podcast, and we just go for it. This is literally off the cuff. So without further ado, Tuttle, take that mailbag and run with it. Thanks, Blumber. Um, I'm going to just second a few things that you said, which is um, I think we got about 20 emails since the last podcast, which was a week ago. Nice. Yeah, 20 is a lot. So, And I don't have time to file through them all week. So I apologize to the folks out there that don't get their mail read. But know that I'm reading them all. I, I think, obviously, as you know, the topic du jour or the topic of the week or the topic of the month, uh, we got quite a few emails on that. And we're kind of uh, 
tamping those down for now. And uh, if they have to come back up or we feel that there's another reason to bring it up, then we might. But uh, I'm going with some questions that are a little more um, widespread and a little more related to our experiences in baseball and as fathers and coaches and players and all that stuff. So no further ado, Blummer, thanks for the lead. And this is from Craig M., and Craig M says, Blummer and Tuttle, firstly, I love the podcast. So you see how you get you see how you get your email read, folks. That's just a great start, 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 isn't it? <laughs> just with a just with a firstly, I love the podcast. Great, you're on. When no, in doubt, um, just just give love to the hosts. That's right. I was I was constantly quoting both of you to my buddy, who's an Angels fan, and now he's a listener of Bleacher Blums himself. How about that? That left California coast. spy. There you go. Here's my question. I was wondering if you both could talk about an average baseball day travel, lodging, pre-game clubhouse activities, and post-game activities in AAA and compare that to an average day in the majors. Thank you for the discussion and your outstanding podcast. Believe it. Blummer, look yes. at this question. You look at it. <laughs> there you go. He must know. So Craig <laughs> yeah, M. Set me up. Yeah, United States Naval guy, uh, retired. Really appreciate you listening and really appreciate the question. I'm going to throw that to you, Blummer. You have uh, experience with both. I can I can provide some insight because I have a lot of experience with my double-A, triple-A days. But uh, I actually, I have, I have some thoughts, but fire away. Yeah, and you and I both came up at the same time, you know, in the mid, early, mid-90s and floating through the minor league. So I will let you gather your thoughts because I actually – you know, up until AAA, the travel was tough, but it wasn't as tough. I don't feel as AAA because AAA, the cities start to spread out and you have to start flying commercially. And that is gnarly, man. That is that is some kind of wake up calls I'm not accustomed to. And I'll let you dig into that because that was rough. But uh, as far as big league travel is concerned, yes, we get spoiled to the extent that we are staying at five five star hotels. We do. You know, I've been on teams that have had their own plane where it's been all first class seating. The best plane I've actually been on was with the Montreal Expos of all people. We may have loaned it or borrowed it from somebody, but it was a, uh, I think it was a 737. And it, in the middle of it, it had couches and an actual bar set up. And they actually, the flight attendant would stand behind the bar and serve drinks. So it was kind of cool. But uh, that was probably as bougie as it ever got. Uh, after that, it was uh, domestic charters. And what I mean by domestic charters is it would just be a domestic, you know, United, Southwest, uh, Delta, American, whatever airline, 737 plane with the standard four rows of first class. And then you'd have, uh, you know, just the rest would be, you know, just standard seating. It wasn't anything fancy, you know, six row, six seats across an aisle down the middle. But the cool thing is, is that instead of traveling with, you know, 200 people on a plane, we have about maybe man, 50 to 70 maybe on any given flight. So everybody's got their own row. And it usually would be front office and coaching staff in the first in first class. Behind that would be, uh, you know, some more front office like PR staff and then media like myself now. Behind that would be uh, trainers, translators, massage therapists, uh, strength coordinators. And then behind that, all of a sudden you got all the players. And that's usually how it worked out. It was, it's, it's easy travel, but at the same time, if you're doing, you know, if you're going coast to coast, like I did with San Diego, where we'd have to go play at East coast swing and we'd fly out to New York, Philly, down to Florida and back home. That was a hellish trip. The hardest thing about travel is the time changes, you know, the three hour time changes, adjusting to the East coast, to the West coast, to the Midwest and back was probably the hardest thing. 
but uh, those flights would leave after games. We'd sometimes get on planes at 1, 2 in the morning, land at 7, 8, 8 o'clock in the morning, take a quick nap and be at the ballpark. So the schedule's a little bit tough, but real quick, on a 7 o'clock game, uh, as a player, I would usually get there about 1 or 2. As a broadcaster, I get there around 3, 4 o'clock. And during day games, you know, it's usually about three, four hours before game time. That's usually the standard way to go. But uh, travel is good and rough at the same time. Yeah, that's 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 a really good way to uh, articulate the thought. Here's my thing is I would tell you, um, Craig, especially it's not as different as you would think. The routine is very similar. Now, from a broadcast to a player, I know it's different. Um, sometimes with a starting pitcher, when I was a starting pitcher, I'd go a little bit later on the day I pitched. Mm -hmm. But to be honest with you, yeah, I mean, A ball, double A, I mean, oh, man, there were many nights where you just get on the bus after the game at 11 o'clock and you got a 10-hour journey, especially in the Texas League. We were in El Paso. Mm -hmm. We did get a couple of flights, but, man, going from El Paso to, like, San Antonio, woo, at, like, yeah, that's midnight. A grind. Yeah, so if you had a game and you're a little sore and you can't, you got to share a bus seat with somebody and you got like 10 or 11 hours, especially actually if you did pitch, you could sneak maybe a six pack of beer on and, you know, you could ice your shoulder. But uh, if you had to pitch the next day, that was the, that was the rough one. So you're like, all right, I'm starting pitcher, you know, and you got like 10, 11 hours on the bus. You guys get to the hotel. You can't check in till two o'clock or three o'clock. Because they don't I have for, the I forgot about clean. that. Yeah, that's the that's the clutch one. So it's like, all right, where are we gonna go? Let's everybody hit the Waffle House or Denny's. Is the room ready yet? No, we have one room down, like the conference room. They gave it to us. We can throw it back. So you're laying on a floor with a towel over you, trying to get a little extra sleep. That, that those were. I mean, when you actually start getting into that, the weeds there, you do not have to do that in the big leagues. So that that's certainly an advantage. But uh, you know it. We've talked about this in roundabout ways over the course of uh, the podcast, which is very often like you get traded, you know, and it's like, all right, I got traded. All right. Well, my family's living in this city. All right. So we're just going to up and move. So there are a lot of challenges, but I think, uh, you know, you don't always choose your profession. This is something that chose us. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything at this point, but uh, yeah, there were some, there were some pros and cons to all the travel. And I think you brought up when I was in AAA, yeah, we did a lot of uh, 5 a.m., 6 a.m. flights. Yeah, that's what nobody I, ever talks about in AAA is that yeah. you fly domestically, but you can't fly after a game because either there's a curfew in the city or the last flight's out at, at, at 11.30 and you can't guarantee your game's going to be over in time. So you leave the next morning right. at dawn. I mean, you're literally the first flight out of there. It's awful. Right. So we would go from, like you said, we were going from Albuquerque to back home to Tucson or something like that. But you'd have oh. to leave at 5 a.m. So you play until midnight. You go back, try and grab some Z's. You get up at 4 a.m., get to the airport by 5, and you're on the 6 a.m. flight to Tucson. Get back maybe by 11 to your apartment, and then you got to be back at the field by 1.30 or 2. So, you know, there, there's definitely some challenges. I would say from that's the travel and the sleep perspective, I would say what cracks me up when you think about it and that's why the minor leagues are there, the schedules are very similar. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like you're at the ballpark every day between 1 and 1.30. It doesn't matter whether you're in Oakland or San Francisco or in Vegas or Chattanooga. Like, you're there at that time because that's when your day starts, um, you know, whether you're watching uh, video or whether you're taking batting practice or swings or tee work or, you know, getting your conditioning in or your weightlifting or, you know, all kinds of things happen. That stuff doesn't change much. You know, when you get called up from double A AA to triple A to the big leagues or, you know, big league spring training, which I attended a few times, this schedule is very similar. So not a whole it lot of changes there. 
Yeah, and good Lord willing, we're doing this podcast in about four or five years. And when if they ever expand the teams, I know that a lot of talk in the expansion is to realign everybody and put West Coast in the Western time zone, Central time zone, East Eastern time zone. That would be really interesting and actually help the travel quite a bit. Yeah, no, for sure. All right, so we have a couple more questions. Uh, let's see. Uh, anyway, somebody wrote in uh, uh, an email bashing another podcast, so I'm not going to read that one. Um, oh, <laughs> we here we go. We, so, we encourage all podcasting. Yeah, yeah. So I don't even know if there's a question here, but I'm going to read this one. I haven't read this one through. So it's about college baseball. Question. Uh, it's from Garrett L. Uh, Garrett says, howdy, Blummer and Tuttle. I'm a lifelong Astros fan wrapping up my final semester at Texas A&M. Awesome. Congratulations. I heard y'all I heard y'all use the term red ass and y'all on y'all's most recent podcast. Here at A&M, that's a term we use for good Aggie or great stuff. In other words, <laughs> it's a it's a compliment. Anyway, with college baseball season just finishing opening weekend, have y'all thought about covering in the college baseball scene? Maybe Texas A&M, University of Houston, Rice, or some top 25 action. I think we'd be more likely to cover some Santa Clara Cal yeah. game on a midweek game on a Tuesday. You don't have to cover University of Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Love the podcast, Garrett. That's awesome. That's hilarious. So yeah, we'll just yeah. we'll just cover A and M and Rice, and we'll leave uh, UT Perfect. out of it. That's what he wants, right? Well, I, I you know what? For, first of all, before we get started, David Tuttle is the if if that terminology is correct, David Tuttle is the biggest red ass I know. So yeah. so kudos to him. How about that? I take <laughs> but, that as a compliment. Yeah, there you go. And uh, I get all the Rice updates I can handle because I'm very good friends with Jose Cruz Jr. and the Cruz family. And he actually has two of his sons, Trey and Antonio, are playing at Rice. So I, I may give some Rice updates or maybe we can just get Jose Cruz on here to give me some updates. But I'll, I definitely will be going to watch. I'm actually going to go watch Rice play, I want to say, on March 5th. It's that first week of March. I know I'm going to go watch him because I've been meaning to go out there and talk to Trey a little bit about his how his season's going. But at the same time, there's also the Shriners College Classic that's going to be played at Minute Maid Park when I get back from spring training. And a very good friend of mine and a guy who I was turning double plays with is now the head coach at Baylor, Steve Rodriguez. So part of the reason I was going to go out there and watch that college classic is because he's going to be there. Baylor University is going to be playing in it. But there's some good teams. And you know what? Maybe maybe we do start to pay a little bit more attention to college baseball because both in you and I were invested in it. It did a lot for our careers, both personally and professionally. And at the same time, you know, college, I feel like the college world series and with the super regionals and the coverage that they're starting to get, it's actually becoming, I wouldn't say mainstream, but there is a lot more attention being brought to the super regionals and collegiate baseball, which I think is a great thing because the competition has been very good over the last couple of years. And a lot of guys go straight from the college ranks to the big leagues a little more frequently these days. Yeah. And if they don't go straight to the big leagues, they'll make a stop like double A AA or triple A. And then yeah. the next year they'll be in big league camp and we can see them. So name drop again, because you and I have talked about guys we have in common. Steve Rodriguez was on team USA with me. No we way. competed. Yeah. We, we competed against each other at Pepperdine. He was a Pepperdine was at Santa Clara. Yeah. He's a year younger, two years younger, but uh, we, we have a good relationship. I love Stevie and he was coaching at Pepperdine and obviously went mm -hmm. to Baylor. Tell him I said, hi, when you see him. And, and we, you know, we stayed in touch a little bit after that, but, um, you know, he and I have, he and I have crossed paths many times. So, uh, yeah. I forgot that he's down, down at Baylor, but what, a, that's a good guy. I didn't realize you were turning double plays with him. So 
No, that's um, actually, it doesn't shock me at all because Stevie Rodriguez is a good dude. You're a good dude. So it just makes yeah. sense that you guys actually I, had a relationship. I appreciate that. He, uh, like you said, I mean, that, there's a guy that did a lot with a little, you know, people yeah. doubted him all the time, but what a, what a scrappy hitter. He was a tough guy to face. Um, I think we got each other. I got him a few times. He got me a few times, but then it was a, a pleasure to be a, a teammate with him during that, that great summer of uh, Team USA way back in 19. <laughs> um, <laughs> did you hey, say 19? Yeah, something like that. 19-something, 90-something. I, uh, I wanted to also give a shout-out. You're talking about college baseball. So another guy that we have in common, Kevin Jarvis, was a Padre yeah. when you were a Padre. So Kevin Jarvis's son is a pitcher at Duke University. Wow. Um, threw a perfect game the other night against Cornell. Duke versus Cornell. He was the number one uh, play on SportsCenter. Huge out-of-conference rivalry. Yeah, right. Cornell and Duke. There you go. Well... You know, I, I would have mind. I, I my midweek games were against Cal and Stanford. I I think Cornell would have been a nice adversary in that area. But dude, throwing a perfect game. I I texted Kevin. I said, "What was your best game ever?" And I meant college. And he said it like a one hitter against North Carolina, but he threw a two hitter against the Marlins, I think, in the big leagues. And I said, "But." There's got to be nothing that compares to watching your offspring stand on the mound. And we both now, like I said, I was already bragging about Jenna playing Little League. And my son does performances as well. But you watch your daughters play. His kid, his son standing on the college mound at Duke or at Cornell throwing a perfect game. I mean, there's got to be nothing that compares. And so um, that kind of segues from the mailbag question about college baseball. But if, if uh, Bryce Jarvis keeps throwing perfect games, we're going to have to cover some Duke baseball. We're going to have to get Kevin on yeah. the podcast and uh, discuss how it feels to be a father watching your son perform at such a high level. So uh, so kudos to, to Bryce. And obviously, uh, it's good to, good to hear from Kevin. And I don't care who you're throwing a perfect game against. If you're throwing a perfect game in Division One baseball, you're doing something real good. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm trying to think back. I think the best I ever did was a two-hitter. I remember throwing a two-hitter with a lot of punch-outs against uh, San Jose State. But like you said, I mean, I, I remember like, even in the minor leagues, it was so great when we had the doubleheader and they'd make it a seven and a nine. And if you could, you know, or you, if you could get that seven inning game, it didn't matter if it was no hit. CG, baby. You're like, CG, you know, you, you take it where you can get it. But uh, anyway, I, I feel like I'm diminishing what Bryce did. I was just saying it was so funny to turn on SportsCenter the other night and see the number one play was my oh, first cool. professional roommate with the Cincinnati Reds, Kevin Jarvis's son, throwing a perfect game in college baseball. That not only lets everybody know how old we are, but it also uh, it also is uh, just kind of a real real uh, exhilarating moment. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, let's uh, let's keep on moving up the mailbag. So there, college baseball got some uh, some pub already. Um, let's see, do we want to? Oh, all right, this is a this is a good one, and then maybe we'll do one more. That. So, um, hey guys, this is from Jenny. She's written in before. First, just listen to episode 57. Y'all keep getting better. Well, I hope so. That's the, the idea. Um, I can't give you shout outs on Twitter anymore as I had to deactivate my account due to harassment from Yankees fans. All right. Seriously, she wrote. I think Jeff is nodding along there. Blummer's like, yeah, I'm oh, close yeah. to doing that as well. Anyway, curious to hear your thoughts on potential changes to the playoff format. And as former players, what you think could work? And do you think the current system is fine? Thanks, y'all. And I think, if I recall, Jeff, we touched on this way back when, um, maybe a few things. I don't have a lot of ideas or tweaks, but I thought it might be something you could uh, you can enlighten us on. I like the current system 
because it involves more teams getting into the playoffs. And Tuttle and I have talked to great extent on how we like playoff situations in all sports. We may not watch a lot of regular season basketball, hockey, and sports like that. But once they get into the playoffs, all of a sudden we tune in because the teams are good. The, the height of passion is in there. The intensity is there. And it's a lot of fun to watch because I feel like the skill level and the strategizing is a little bit different than the regular season because it's a must-win situation. So in baseball, I know that they were talking about maybe expanding the wild card number one to a three-game series, which I think is interesting. But I don't know if you want to get much past that because I worry about the season already being extensive as it is. And then you extend the, the postseason, and you're extending some of these arms as if I'm a pitcher and maybe Tuttle can speak to this a little bit. If you pitch 35 starts a year, and then all of a sudden you get into the postseason and you've got to pitch in the wild card round, the division round, the championship round, the world series round that adds and say you're making one to two starts in each of those. Or if you're a bullpen guy and you make two to three appearances in each of those, you're getting taxed pretty good, and then the turnaround for the next season is a little bit more limited. So I'm not a big fan of putting more teams into the the postseason mix because, as a fan, it's gonna. I I get it. You know, hockey. I don't watch the first couple of rounds of the playoffs. I wait till they get into their division championship type rounds before you know the quarterfinal or semifinal to get into the championship game. I feel the same way about basketball. Some of those earlier rounds when I see the one seed against the 58th seed or whatever it is, it's, it's, in, it's intriguing in one game matchups like March Madness, but it's not intriguing to me in a six, five game series because the better team's always going to win in that situation. They're going to make the better adjustment or their talent is going to overwhelm the opposing team on that one freak moment they beat that team. So I like the idea, though, of that wild card situation maybe being a three-game series, best two out of three, just because you give both teams a quote-unquote equal opportunity to move on, whereas you see some of these wild card teams, they'll throw their ace and try and exhaust all their pitching to get into the division series, and then they get in the division series and get smoked. So it's, it's kind of tough in that sense, but I like where it's at. The only thing I maybe might adjust is expanding that wild card game from a one game to a three game. You know, it's funny. We did not talk about this prior, but I would agree with you. I think that's the one kind of tough thing because you mentioned March Madness and then, you know, football with the kind of one and done deal. I, I, I mean, that's the way things should be. But baseball in a 162 game season and they play that 163rd game seems like uh it's just too small of a sample size to work your ass off and get to that point of the season and then be like, Oh yeah, we just said we had an injury and this guy got tweaked and we're done. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I realized that you, you know, you got to play better, right? If you had played better then you wouldn't be in that wild card game to begin with. But, uh, that's the one thing that kind of, I think I'm just seconding what you said. That's the one thing that kind of sticks with me is like one game. Like that doesn't really, that's not a good, it's not a good measure of who the better team is in that scenario, but you know, maybe that's the intent, right? With the wild card, like who's going to get in and play the, uh, the guys that the guys that played better during the season, I guess, ultimately over the 162. So anyway, but I think that would be a, a worthwhile tweak. And let me finish up the mailbag here. It's more of a statement, not of a question. And I really, Jason's written in before we talk about honoring the first responders and, you know, we did already just read the email about, Having your uh, having to deactivate your Twitter account because of some Yankee harassment, but I'm I'm going to read this and I'm just going to let it hang there for you. Um, on January 31st, 2020, the city of Corpus Christi, home of the Hooks, 
was saddened with the passing of officer Alan McCollum, who was killed in the line of duty. The New York Yankees sent flowers and words of comfort. As an Astros baseball fan, I thought it was such a thoughtful gesture. I just want to tip my cap to their organization. So there you go. Take it away from the field, and all of a sudden, uh, it kind of changes the perspective, even though there's some vitriol and stuff going on. So we tip our cap as well, and I thank you, Jason, for letting us know. That is good to know. We need to hear some of those more good, you know, those good stories, even out of a tragic situation for the officer down there in Corpus, that organizations, fans of all kinds, all shapes and forms, and all, all variations of fandom can come together because once the game is over, after those nine innings, we are all people in the same society cheering each other on. So I do tip my cap to the New York Yankees for that. And it's time to pay a couple of bills right now, and we've got a great sponsor in Peterson's. Today's Bleacher Blums podcast is sponsored by Peterson's Test Prep. For over 50 years, Peterson's has helped active duty service members, veterans, and first responders advance their careers. Whether you're looking to join the military, advance within the military, or transition to a civilian career, Peterson's will help you on your journey. Peterson's provides online learning courses and test preparation for military exams like ASFAB and the AFOQT as well as career licensure exams needed to become an EMT, paramedic, or law enforcement officer. Visit Peterson's at www.petersons.com. Use the coupon code BASEBALL. I wonder how they came up with that. During checkout for 20% off your first purchase. For every path, there is a test. And for every test, there's Peterson's, www.petersons.com. All right. Thank you to Peterson's for that sponsor. And we are going to move right along. It's been a good podcast, good mailbag, a couple of good thoughts about spring, uh, springing up here early on for all the little, little leaguers out there. And I'm going to throw it to Tuttle, man. This is the time we all wait for. We're getting back in a rhythm, getting back in a routine because we need this. What'll Tuttle say? All right, so I'm gonna veer off the path a little bit, not as crazy as I did last time telling uh, like medical catering stories, but uh, I got a couple today. I got a couple thoughts about sports talk in general. I um, had the pleasure this week of hearing Don Mattingly on uh, Dan Patrick's show, and it was so great. And I don't think it was intentionally set up to be a like a, a leading question, but basically they started with the, uh, the John Carlos Stanton's comments you know, I'd hit 80 home runs if I knew it was coming, which I, I was not going to mention that on the podcast, but give me a break. So that's all I'm going to say about that. And so Dan led, in, led Don Mattingly, like, saying, all right, well, you know, Stanton said he would have hit 80 home runs if he knew it was coming. Don, in 19-whatever, 84, you hit 352. Don Mattingly hit 352. That, that is unbelievable. In. That is raking. But... Dan Patrick said, so if you knew it was coming, would, what would you have hit? And this is the best answer I've heard in a long time. So I think Don was ready for the question. He said, first of all, as a hitter, I didn't like to know it was coming. It was too much information. I like to just see the ball, hit the ball, and try and react. He goes, second of all, he goes, I don't think it would have been knowing what pitch was coming. It would have been if I could run faster. <laughs> he basically <laughs> said he was too slow. He's like, man, I would have hit like 375 if I could run. <laughs> So there you go. I got a laugh out of you, Blummer. It was great. It was it was such a good way to kind of take a question that was, I don't know if it was such a leading question, but like, hey, what would you have hit if you knew? And he said, yeah, you know, it had nothing to do with knowing the pitches, if I could run. And then I think Dan proceeded to ask him, 
um, if he knew how many bases he stole. And I think he stole in 15 years in the big leagues, he stole 15 bases, but he got two in one game. So wow. that was funny. Yeah. So that's a little side note. So my real topic of the day um, is really about standard sports talk. I mean, you and I started having conversations in the parking lot, and this has kind of become probably more sports driven. We had talked about, you know, being fathers and, you know, friends and, you know, living similar lives here and how we should raise our children. But it's obviously a, a kind of a, a, a mainly a sports talk podcast. But I was listening to a, a sports talk poll and um, you know, you walk around the mall and if you go to a bar, even if you go to lunch some days, they have, you know, they refuse to take the TV and just turn it off. The TV's always on. And so they have all these random shows like, you know, my opinion matters. And, you know, I don't even know, like, I mean, there's some good shows too, but there's like sports talk on all day long, all day long. And somebody had a poll about standard sports talk. And I, I mean, not standard sports talk, but they were like Giannis Antetokounmpo and his brothers like he wants to play with his brothers in LA or Milwaukee. And I just thought, who wouldn't want to play with their brothers? Like this was like th this, like how did they make that a title of a topic that we're going to talk about? You know, wouldn't that be like, Hey, if Blummer and Tuttle could actually go back in time in 15 years, would they like to be teammates with the, yeah, of course we would. So hold on. Let me open the door. I got Alfred. Wait a minute. What I, I hear Alfred. Say. This is not what'll Alfred say. This is what'll Tuttle say. <laughs> Hold on. Door opening. Yeah, oh, there. All right. He's coming yeah, in. He, he just, is. he hears me yapping in here. So, uh, so he agrees with me. Alfred does. All I'm saying is we have these conversations about, um, you know, relevant things like spring training and, uh, you know, the season starting and, you know, don't bet on all these great football topics. Like who's going to win the playoffs? Who's going to win the Super Bowl? And you mentioned it's kind of a lull in the sports sports uh, kind of lexicon right now. But shouldn't those shows just go off the air? Like, are we really going to say, like, who wouldn't want to play with their brothers in L.A. or Milwaukee, especially if he's already in Milwaukee? Like, anyway, I, I know you'll have some thoughts on that, but I, I kind of think that's kind of an I mean, is that really even an issue or a topic? I, you know, you want to play with your friends that you grew up with, your the guys that you lived in the same house with, your brothers. I mean, that's not even a topic. It, it really shouldn't. I mean, if it is a topic or a poll, it should be 100% yes. And it should be about a, maybe a, what, 30, 40 second, you know, interruption in the program because everybody's going to go, yeah, I think that makes sense. I think you should be able to play with your brother because who wouldn't want to be able to do that and keep it in the family, your mom's happy, your dad's happy, everybody's happy because you're in the same arena watching the same games on the same schedule. But uh, I think that what happened was if, if they're talking about that, they went to the intern who has been feeding them all this Twitter fodder about sign stealing and said, hey, man, we need something other than baseball to talk about. And they said, oh, let's talk about uh, Giannis and his brothers and his family playing together. And everybody went, dude, that's great call. I mean, I don't know where we're at in sports talk. We got to talk about how crazy or how awesome it would be for family to be playing together in the big leagues or in the NBA. That's an easy call. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking, you know, you and your brother, for example, that's a good one. Your brother got drafted. He was a catcher. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, we played golf with him recently. It's kind of like, wouldn't it be great to play in the big leagues with your brother? Absolutely. I mean, LeBron's trying to play with his son. That they're like, that's kind of the topic like, hey, but to ask LeBron whether wouldn't it be great to play with your oldest son in the NBA? Like, 
that's a dumb question. Like we can just we can just forget all of that stuff, you know. Or, you don't have to be what, a sports talk analyst to figure that out. Yeah, exactly. That that and that was my whole point for what'll Tuttle say. So I just thought I was just walking by a big TV screen that said Jonas and his brothers would love to play together in Milwaukee or any other city. Okay, great. Thank you. Move on. Yeah, appreciate that. So um, um, let's. Yeah, so let's uh, let's ju let's jump to Blum and Blummer. I, you know, that's my favorite segment. I appreciate you returning the favor. Here we go. Huh. I expected the Rocky Mountains to be a little rockier than this. I was thinking the same thing. That Jeff Blum's full of shit, man. And so, in this segment of Blum and Blummer, I think it's going to be a little more of updates and maybe get a spring training story out of Tuttle because spring training is coming up. We talked about uh, that the AT&T broadcast is going to begin. AT&T Sports for the Astros is going to be broadcasting 10 games. I am only going to be doing three of them. And I know that people are going to be like, oh, man, you're only doing 30%. You're darn right. I, 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 I'm not a big spring training fan right now. I do my job. I get excited to go see the guys and touch base, but I love me some regular season baseball. And I know that uh, the spring training can be a little extensive, and I know there's excitement early in spring. I've been watching the lineups over the last couple of days for the Houston Astros, and I haven't seen the regulars in there, so I'm hoping by the time we get down there and broadcast some big league baseball, we get to talk a little bit more about the regular guys that are going to be in there. But at the same time, I just want to give everybody a heads up that my first broadcast will be on February 25th. My second one will be on February 26th, and my third one will be on February 27th, and then I'm flying home. I'm going to be in Houston for the month of March. I'm going to Willie Nelson the night of uh, the 28th because the rodeo is kicking off, and I can't even tell you how excited I am to spend more time at the rodeo with the family and watch some of the Astros games from afar. But you're going to have a lot of excitement. There's going to be seven more games on AT&T. But uh, Tuttle, do you have any – what was spring training like for you? How many big league camps did you go to, and what was it like? Uh, I went to two big league camps. Um, yeah, I mean, spring training, I think we've touched on this prior. It's um, spring training for pitchers was a little bit different than position players. And I think, you know, for guys that were really trying to make the ball club, you know, they would write stuff like, you know, well, you know, these guys aren't going to make the ball club. They're going to get sent down right away. So there was always that. But, you know, for guys that were on the team, I think it was a lot different as well. You know, if you had a two-year deal or a three-year deal. But uh, I liked spring training. I mean, I, I felt like it was a good way to um, kind of get back into the swing of things. I mean, typically, as we've talked about, you know, you did your training, you threw on the side, you got yourself ready to be in spring training anyway. Like, you don't fall out of shape. But for me, at that time, I was working in the offseason. I, I needed to have a job in the offseason as well. So for me, it was thank I was just so thankful to, you know, I was a barista for a couple of years like I just got out of the coffee <laughs> shop at 5 a.m. and so I was super thankful to be out there in the in the uh in the sunshine and the grass to uh you know to do the job that we were so fortunate to do I will say I enjoyed spring training so much more in Arizona than uh, Florida and mm -hmm. that's no knock against Florida just being a California kid getting all the way out to Florida and you know I don't know it just the weather and all that kind of stuff I just I really enjoyed spring training in Arizona much better. And when I was with the Diamondbacks big league camp, they treated you first class, 
you know, nothing, no, no qualms at all. I mean, I really enjoyed that part of spring training. I think, as we said before, the pitcher's fielding practice and some of the routines that we got in eh, got a little tedious, but, you know, that's how it goes. But I, I, I kind of liked spring training. We already mentioned at the outset of this podcast, hope springs eternal. That's kind of how I always felt every year going into, if I was healthy, going into spring training was a good, it was a good time to kind of get your energy dialed in. Yeah, one thing about spring training is, is you go in there 100%. That's probably the only time that you actually feel like you're 100% strong, energetic to be able to get through the season. And I've run the gamut as far as spring training. Uh, you know, uh, I was a non-roster invitee. I was a rookie. I was a veteran. I was a crusty old. You know, my nickname my last year in baseball was Viejo. I was the grandpa of the team. So. You know, as a non-roster invitee, you're trying to make them remember your name in a good way because you want them to go, okay, if that guy gets a chance later on in the year, we can add him to the 40-man and bring him up. So you're trying your hardest to to run every ground ball out, to make every single play, to get as many hits as you possibly could so they can remember your name. And then as a rookie, you're just trying to prove that you belong. You know, that's where you break in, you get the opportunity, you say, okay, I can play at this level. And it's one thing to get there. It's another thing to stay there. And that's what you're doing as a rookie. Your first two or three years, you're really trying to establish yourself as somebody who belongs in the game. And then you get rewarded after that third year with the arbitration money. Things start to move a little bit quicker in your big league career as far as staying there. But once you get there, like Tuttle was saying, and you know you've got a guaranteed spot on the team, it's more about maintenance. It's more about getting yourself ready for April 1st as opposed to March 1st in those other positions where you might be doing that. And then you kind of move on and you say, okay, get me through the day. Middle of spring training is always the worst time, but you're more it's more of a maintenance program to make sure you're healthy when you start the season. You know, and I was always in a position where I wanted them to remember remember my name. I mean, Buck Schulter always treated me well, but I've talked about this before, about kind of being supported by the organization and people having your back. You know, when I played on Team USA, you know, I was coming from Santa Clara. It was a smaller school, but, you know, I kind of earned the trust of my teammates and really developed some relationship with some guys that were maybe considered more high level. But, you know, to your point, when you get in the minor leagues and you're playing well and you're healthy, um, you really just need the support of your organization, especially if you're if you're performing well. And I remember going to a big league camp of the Dimebacks, and my first inning, um, they didn't let me start an inning. Uh, I came in with the bases loaded. Chris Bazio had gotten into trouble, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so Chris Bazio, and they're like, "Hey, total, get loose." You know, it was like the seventh inning of a night game in spring training. So Bazio went out, and I'm facing Chris Singleton, and I think I told this in one podcast, but he hit a one hopper right back at me, like, and I gloved it. And then I'm staring over at, uh, I think it was Greg Colburn was playing first. He was a catcher, kind of utility guy. And I mean, he was like 10 feet away, but it, all of a sudden it looked like he was like 50. And you're like, <laughs> you know, just, and that's the part that you need to get over. And I, the only reason I'm telling that story is, you know, I, I've been playing baseball my whole life. You know, here I am like 27, 28 years old, and I'm in a big league game, be it spring training, albeit spring training. And, uh, and here's this play, and it's a play I already grumbled about pitcher's fielding practice. I always thought it was good. And all you have to do is underhand it or just chuck it over there. And uh, and I did, thankfully. I got out of the inning, and, and everybody's like, hey, good job, great job. Good to your and, it's your and in the back of my mind, I think I've done this a million times. Like, why am I looking at this like, hey, I, you know, I've got stars in my eyes, you know, and not because of the players that were around me just because it was a different environment and different atmosphere. And I think that comfort level is something that I really would have loved to establish sooner in my career, as opposed to kind of getting over there and it's like, Oh, you're in big league camp. Oh yeah. Your locker's way down at the end. You're number 79, you know, and you're like, all right, well, 
it's going to be a tough road to hoe, even though, as we've talked about extensively, I mean, I knew how to play baseball, right? That's the one thing we did know how to do. So that acceptance and that earning the trust of your teammates and building that relationship is just something I didn't get to do at the big league level. And uh, anyway, and I think the spring was a good time for that. And to your point, I think that was all you wanted to do was try and let them remember your name and hopefully get that chance to get called up at some point. Yeah, that's awesome. That is a good story. And it's funny, you know, the routine is is no longer routine at that level. It's expected. And once you're a guy who maybe has that number 79 on your back and you do the routine, they're like, hey, this guy's not phased by the opportunity or phased by the level. He's going to go out there and compete and give us the best. And that's how you do it. You go out there and, and you make the play. And, and that's why I'll say it throughout the course of the season, especially with young guys. And you guys make it get sick of me saying it during spring training broadcast because I do say a lot. Re make them remember your name. And I don't mean that in a negative fashion. I mean that in a good fashion. Uh, you know, there's... There's guys with the Astros who I know that maybe talent-wise don't compare to what's on their roster right now, but they go out there and they grind during the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings. And you'll see the Astros. It's been a lot of fun to watch some of these Astro guys come out and actually have some of these comebacks late in games because they do care. They do go out and play hard, and that's how you get remembered. And speaking of getting remembered, the last bit of Blum and Blummer for me is this is a big week for The Bachelor, man. Uh, we forgot the Bachelor update last episode, and I forgot to mention I saw it on Twitter, people. Oh, so man. So the, the Twitterverse is a little mixed, at least the Bleacher Blum's Twitterverse, sorry yeah. to interrupt you, is a little mixed on whether we should be adding these Bachelor reviews in there. But since <laughs> Don't Bet On It is on hiatus, then I think the Bachelor review has to get out there. I just, I need to do a little more research, and I apologize for not being a supporting cast there. No, interject anytime you want. Do not apologize for not being on the Bachelor beat like we are right now. We'll call this the Bachelor beat by Blummer uh, because I am in a household of women and now I'm, I am invested. I have, I have gone above and beyond and Pilot Pete or Pete the Pilot, whatever the heck you want to call him. <laughs> dude, th this guy, more self-inflicted pain than he creates by his indecisiveness. Um, but I, he's got this, he, I can't stop looking at it either. He's got this massive scar on his forehead that uh, has been healing throughout these episodes, and it drives me nuts. I cannot not stare at the scar on his head, and I don't know how how these girls are looking at him and not going, dude, what is that? <laughs> or or want to try and touch it and be like, is that going to heal up? Before you propose, can we get some like cosmetic surgery in here to get rid of this gash on your forehead? Okay, sorry. So have they addressed it, like how he got it? Oh, yeah, dude, it was the oh. funniest damn thing ever. If you go on, I mean, Google it, YouTube it, you know, do... Ba bachelor pete injury and he he literally had a glass cup with a drink in it and he's getting on the back of a golf cart hits his head in the top of the golf cart slams the glass into his head and cuts his head and he's bleeding and he's like in the middle of nicaragua or you know uh costa rica or something so it was and on I, the show that he oh, injured yeah. himself they oh, had a security okay. cam caught it uh, you know it was okay. in between takes or something like that and and he and he gets blown up and they replayed it but it looks like somebody took, you know, a, a piece of gum or silly putty and just kind of patched it over and said, "Ah, oh, you look great. Let's go. <laughs> You'd be That's fine. so funny. Now, the wonder he's indecisive. He's concussed and he's uh, yeah. he's dizzy. I, I will say one of my favorite movies is Roxanne, the little uh, with Steve wow. Martin, the story about uh, Cyrano de Bergerac. Yeah. And the guy kept saying, you were just saying the scar. The guy's like, whatever you do, like, don't stare at his nose. Like, don't talk about it. Just kind of ignore it. And all the guy can do is stare at his nose. I can imagine if I ever turn on The Bachelor with Pilot Peter, Pete the pilot, and I would just be staring at his forehead. 
Oh, dude, you will. You can't miss it, man. It's barely noticeable. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, he has narrowed it down to three. He's got Hannah Ann, Madison, and Victoria F. So this is going to be a big week. And I, am, I have actually scheduled my flight into West Palm Beach in order to get there in time to get there, get unpacked, grab a decent bite to eat so that I can tune into The Bachelor. So I will be ready next week with Bachelor updates. I can't for, you know, as, as long as we're on this podcast and anybody who cares about The Bachelor, how in the F did Victoria F maintain her position on this show? It is mind boggling. Anyways, I digress. It is the end of Bleacher Blums. I've had a blast on this one. It has been great. It's been upbeat. It's been great banter. I appreciate the heck out of my co-host, David Tuttle, who you can reach on Twitter at RealDavidTuttle. Parting last words from a man. I don't. The schedule change kind of throw us off, um, but um, I'm really uh, thrilled to just get back on the podcast and keep it rolling. I think the positivity and the banter was outstanding today. And uh, like I said, safe travels to West Palm Beach. Hopefully you get there in time to uh, to watch The Bachelor live so you can uh, so you can contribute to our podcast even more deeply next week when we uh, when we make this happen again. So uh, so thanks so much, Blummer. It was a it was a blast. And uh, and, uh, you know. Till next week, till next time, right? Till next time. And of course, at the end of every podcast, we like to reach out to those first responders and all military personnel. We appreciate all that you do running into harm's way, keeping us safe and protecting us both home and abroad. Many blessings on all of you as you perform your duties. We appreciate you. That's going to do it for this episode of Bleacher Blums, ending on a pretty good note. And of course, Tuttle and I want you to remember to get after it. And most of all, believe it.